You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. The 71st New York Regiment was made up of Irish Catholics from Lower Manhattan and formed part of General Dan Sickles' Excelsior Brigade. It's not the first place you would look to find a small-town New England Congregationalist minister serving as chaplain. Nor would you expect such a soldier to leave behind 900 pages of letters that have lain almost undisturbed from that era to the present day. But both are true, and both were discovered by Steve Courtney, our guest today and the editor of the Civil War Letters of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell. Join us when we talk with Steve Courtney on Civil War Talk Radio. Hi, Tom Bodette from Motel 6 with a word for business travelers. Seems business has its own language these days, full of buzzwords like buzzword or net-net. And after a day spent whiteboarding a matrix of action items and deliverables, it's nice to know you can always outsource your accommodation needs to the nearest Motel 6. You'll get a clean, comfortable room for the lowest price, net-net, of any national chain, plus data ports and free local calls. In case you tabled your discussion and need to reconvene offline. So you can think of Motel 6 as your total business travel solution provider, vis-a-vis cost-effective lodging alternatives for Q1 through Q4, I think. Just call 1-800-4-MOTEL-6 or visit motel6.com. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll maintain the lighting device in its current state of illumination for you. Motel 6 and a core hotel. World Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, coming to you from my expansive office on the campus of East Carolina University in Greenville, North Carolina, part of the University of North Carolina system not the least bit jealous of the home campus at Chapel Hill. And, as the lawyers uh, remind me to say, not uh, speaking today on behalf of the UNC system or ECU or the history department or anyone else, uh, but just for myself, as my guest is doing. Certainly not speaking on behalf of my colleague David Long here at East Carolina. Those of you who read North and South Magazine will perhaps has seen a recent article by Dr. Long discussing the Dahlgren Raid of 1864 and whether or not it was instigated by Abraham Lincoln in an attempt to uh, not only capture but possibly assassinate Jefferson Davis, uh, Lincoln's Confederate counterpart. The uh, article has stirred up some controversy. Subsequent issues feature letters to the editor by the likes of Stephen Sears denouncing this theory. I'm not... Uh, persuaded, I thought it was uh, a, a. I thought the theory had no support when uh, Dr. Long first told me about it. I've since come to see that there is certainly some circumstantial evidence, but not a persuasive case in my view. But but enough to be worth talking about. 
So uh, if you're interested in following that story, uh, go ahead and check the late uh, fall issues of from 2006 of North and South magazine and see what they're about, where they discuss the Dahlgren raid and its consequences. In other housekeeping news, as always, uh, your donations to Civil War Talk Radio are welcome each week. They uh, help keep me in Civil War books so I can know what I'm talking about when we conduct the interviews here. And the uh, deductions are not, the donations are not tax deductible. Uh, if I really had a lawyer at my side, he'd be reminding me of that as well. In fact, uh, I should disclose that this week's donations uh, uh, will be dedicated to the fund for taking Mrs. Prokopovich out to dinner for putting up with losing all her Friday afternoons uh, to me or Thursday nights preparing for this show. So this week's donations are earmarked for uh, take the interviewer's wife out to dinner fund. I get to take her out, not you. Uh, but that's what the money will go to. Well, enough uh, personal disclosures. We'll move on to our subject today. This is, uh, the subject is a book called The Civil War Letters of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell, subtitled A Chaplain's Story, and our guest is Steve Courtney, one of the two editors of this. Uh, Steve, are you there? Uh, yes, I am, Jerry. Great. Glad you could join us today. Uh, Steve, you and Peter Messant edited this really remarkable collection of Civil War letters uh, I'm looking at an advanced copy here from the University of Georgia Press. Is this book uh, out for the public at this point? Oh, yes. It was uh, published back in April, and uh, it's available on uh, all the usual um, outlets for books uh, from Amazon on down to your local independent bookstore. Excellent. So if uh, our readers are, are moved to want to look at it for themselves, and, and I think uh, they will be. The more they hear about it, they'll, they'll be able to get hold of it. That's good. Yes. Well, tell me, uh, is the Civil War a subject that you've written about in the past? Well, um, not really. I, I have to say that both uh, I and Peter Messant are um, are not specialists in the Civil War. I've I've had an interest in the Civil War since I was a kid and um, have read in it, but I, uh, but uh, and. And Pete is a Mark Twain scholar from England. He's actually more or less the foremost Mark Twain scholar in England. Not that there are a great many of them there, but he's he's a particularly good one. And um, the Mark Twain connection to Joseph Twitchell is one that probably more people are more familiar with if they know anything about him at all. Um, in after the Civil War, after the period of our book. Um, Twitchell was became the pastor of a rather fancy church in Hartford, Connecticut, and um, there in 1868 he met Mark Twain, who was in town seeing about the publication of his first major book, and uh, the two hit it off and became close friends for the rest of their lives. Uh, Mark Twain and a uh, Congregationalist minister, which is you know just about as unusual as the contrast you mentioned between Twitchell's. Uh, uh, regiment of Irish Catholics and and his own role as a New England Protestant. So he, so Twain and Twitchell were then uh, remained friends after that. Yes, they remained friends for decades until really right up to Mark Twain's death in 1910. Um, 
and they argued about religion and politics and everything under the sun during their friendship, which was a particularly productive one. Um, I came to the Civil War story by way of uh, Twitchell's life. I'd written about Twitchell and his friendship with Mark Twain for the Hartford Current, the newspaper I work for in Hartford. And um, in the course of looking through his papers at Yale, discovered that he had, not only that he had been a chaplain, which I sort of knew, but as you mentioned, that he had written these uh, this astounding body of letters about the, his experiences in the 71st New York and um, his personal feelings about the war, his role as a chaplain, which was quite different from that, of, as you know, of the uh, line soldier or officer. Um, and... Um, the, but it took actually Pete Massent, who was visiting one summer, to suggest that we um, we make this into a, a book. And he approached the University of Georgia Press. They liked the idea, and um, and the rest is history. So, so your day job is as a journalist. That's right. Yes, I'm. That's what I've done all my life. I've been a reporter and an editor at the Hartford Current. Uh, currently, I'm a copy editor there, which means most of my work is at night. Uh, Pete is the head of the Department of English of I'm sorry, American and Canadian Studies at the University of Nottingham in England, and has written a great deal on Mark Twain and his uh, his times and his literary output. So. Uh in terms of a connection, I'm thinking that the uh, the Hartford Whalers play just down the road from us here in, in Raleigh nowadays. <laughs> That's uh, right. They moved south. They like the ice better down there. Uh, apparently so. That, uh, as an old original six hockey man, I'm, I'm still not uh, accustomed to any of these new teams playing anywhere. But uh, in any case, the uh, so the, the Hartford uh, connection brings Twitchell and, uh, and Mark Twain together. Then you, by studying. Uh, Mark Twain end up finding the papers of Twitchell, and there we see hundreds and hundreds of pages of Civil War era letters. Yes, absolutely. So, and as people have pointed out, um, they are unusual in that there are not there are, of course, letters from chaplains, but not in this quantity, and not with the sort of depth and literacy of a lot of these letters. Um, I mean, one of our boosters has been John Brinsfield, who's the chaplain historian of the U.S. Army, who has written a lot about um, uh, Civil War chaplains, a, a book uh, he, he put out with some other people a few years ago called Faith in the Fight. Um, the, you know, the chaplain had an extraordinary role, not just as the spiritual guide of the soldiers, but as hospital aid, as banker, you know, as confidant to officers, uh, people like Sickles, who also remained a lifelong friend. Um, in fact, <laughs> late in Twitchell's life, he would go down to Lower Fifth Avenue and visit Mark Twain, who was living down there at that time, and this is the very early 1900s. Then he would cross the street and visit General Sickles, who was still holding court in um, in his apartment on Lower Fifth Avenue. And... Um, in fact, at one point, Mark Twain visited Sickles and wrote uh, very descriptively about his his apartment and his life down there. So this was, I mean, his Twitchell Civil War attachments uh, 
remained right up, you know, to the end of his life. He was a, it was an extraordinary period of his, his life. And, uh, and as it, you know, if you've read the letters, you can understand why. Um, it was a crucial time of his life, in the nation's life. Uh, he was a staunch abolitionist from New England. His, well, his let's start with that, then, yes. with, with, uh, with his wartime career. He, was it his abolitionism that caused him to join the Army? It was, I think, I think at the base of it, yes. I mean, he was not in, in Connecticut. He was from Connecticut. He was from small-town Connecticut. But at the time, the war was just breaking out when uh, the, the winter of secession, uh, he had, was actually found himself in New York City attending Union Theological Seminary. And he was rooming with some of his classmates, and... Um, they uh, would argue both sides of the question. Um, one of his closest friends, in fact, was a man named Bob Stiles, who later wrote one of the famous memoirs of the Confederate Army, who actually joined up with the South. Um, but And these guys would, in fact, one of Twitchell's friends once picked up a poker and nearly uh, attacked uh, Bob Stiles because of his secessionist views. But um, it was in this atmosphere in New York, uh, torchlights, parades, the wide awakes for Lincoln, the uh, you know the, the proponents of uh, Douglas and um, Breckenridge would be marching through the streets, and um, and then once once Fort Sumter was fired upon, of course, uh, the whole tenor changed, and it became a national crusade, and Twitchell felt it was his duty to join up. Now joining up. For for Twitchell was not actually so easy. Uh, you'd think you just well, you know, join a bunch of guys, uh, take the oath, and you're in. But he wanted to be a chaplain. That's right. He wanted to be a chaplain, and there was one. Well, it doesn't seem to have really been a problem. The, the fact that he was not yet ordained, he was still a theological student. Um, but in the early days, when there was there were very little rules. I mean, they were sort of making up the the organization as they were going along um he he went actually he first met uh, colonel oliver ellsworth a famous uh leader of the chicago zwabs who was trying to set up a regiment of new york firemen in in the city and um uh but for, for some reason that he doesn't make clear in his letters unfortunately that didn't didn't work out ellsworth of course went on to become sort of the first martyr of the war um on the Union side. Uh, so, But at that point, Twitchell was somehow put together with Dan Sickles, who, as you know, was a famous and controversial figure even at that point. Um, he had been a congressman in Washington. He uh, became infamous for having shot his wife's lover uh, in front of the White House and got off, basically got off on the what's called the first uh, plea of temporary insanity to be used successfully in an American courtroom. And um, wasn't Edwin Stanton his uh, lawyer for that, I believe? Stanton was one of his, his, his uh, legal team. Uh, Thomas Meager was another one, of course, who went on to command the Irish Brigade. Um, and uh, so there were a lot of... Um, a lot of sort of, yes, uh, presages of the war going on there. Um, when Let me ask you, I'm looking at the notes in your book, and I guess most of our listeners may know something about Sickles and the 
murder of his wife's lover and, and so forth. But mm-hmm. uh, you have a note here that when Sickles was a diplomat in London in 1853, he introduced a New York City prostitute to Queen <laughs> Victoria at a royal reception. Yes. That, that one I didn't know about. What, what happened there? Well, he, he ca- carried on with this uh, woman from uh, New York, and um, it was sort of a big scandal. He, he, he married a, a very young wife and more or less kept on with the, this uh, prostitute afterward. Um, and uh, she actually accompanied him to London when he, uh, he uh, took this diplomatic job over there. And the being introduced, I hope I hedged it slightly because, um, uh, you know, it was really his enemies who said that he had actually introduced the woman to um, to Queen Victoria. And uh, who knows whether it was true or not. There's so much uh, argument about almost everything in the life of Daniel Sickles that, uh, you know, you could probably end up on either side of the question pretty easily. <laughs> Well, you know, it's not hard to imagine. I can picture his enemies making up that story, but I can also picture his friends making up that story because yes. in American politics you can never go wrong twisting the lion's tail, uh, doing That's something true. anti-British. That's a very good point, yeah. Especially with the Irish constituency in, in New York City. That's true. Uh, they would get a big kick out of someone doing that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so Twitchell is, gets connected with, with General Sickles, or, well, Mr. Sickles at this point. Yes, he was an attorney. He had just finished his congressional career and was actually arguing cases in New York courts at the time he decided he got together with his friend at uh, uh, a fancy restaurant and decided to start a regiment. And and uh, so Twitchell be, somehow becomes a chaplain in, in the brigade that Sickles is organizing. Yes. Uh, at this point, Sickles had organized one regiment that he named the Excelsior Regiment after the motto of New York State, Excelsior, and was was forming a second regiment because he had so many applicants. He, he basically had overflow, and he thought he'd start a, a second called the, uh, the Jackson Regiment, and he needed a chaplain for that. He had a chaplain for the first, but he needed a chaplain for what became known, actually, to and was always known as veterans of the Excelsior Brigade as the second Excelsior Regiment, despite its later uh, state designation as the 71st New York. Um, and um, I think, I mean, there were, Twitchell had some legal friends. He had friends who were studying law at Columbia. And I think that that may have been his connection, his original connection to Sickles. But um, Sickles was quite ready to bring him on as a chaplain. He didn't care that well, Sickles was a Democrat and Twitchell was an abolitionist Republican from New England. Um, he didn't, it didn't bother him that he was not ordained. Um, he, he basically put him to work. And, and, of course, there was no system for pay until later in the summer. So there were several months there where he and actually the entire regiment went virtually without pay. So here we have uh, the young man, uh, 22 years old, joining the Army. And his his first uh, well his, his constant challenge is going to be uh, as a congregationalist minister to be yeah. how to uh, minister to the, the spiritual needs of the the rough Irish Catholics of his regiment. We're going to take a short break at this point and come back and find out more about the remarkable. 
career of Joseph Hopkins Twitchell. Uh, we're talking with uh, author and editor Steve Courtney, who has edited Twitchell's letters. We'll be back in just a moment on Civil War Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. 